G'day, I'm Osha Ginsberg, and I want to welcome you to the latest IKEA podcast series, Behind the Brand for Coworkers of IKEA. Join me as we take a peek inside the big blue box and get to know the people at the heart of the IKEA brand. We'll hear stories from co-workers as they take us on a journey through the IKEA culture and values, the very essence of what makes IKEA, IKEA. We'll also learn more about what IKEA stands for as a business, including climate action, equality, and supporting the communities in which it operates. Today, I'll be speaking with Caroline Stewart, visual merchandiser at IKEA Perth. Caroline, I have five very quick questions I would like to ask you. Okay. Just the first thing that comes to your mind. Yep. What is your favorite IKEA product and why? That is the IKEA Gozy Golden, which is the golden retrieval little soft toy. And the reason is my girl <laughs> Libby, she has about five of them and she snuggles up with them all day, every day. I cannot go anywhere with one of them not being with us because it calms her down straight away. So when I take them to a market for dinner or anything, I go to friends' houses, the little Gozy Golden always has to come with us. (laughs) What made you want to work at IKEA? I was always the biggest IKEA fan ever since I can remember when I started shopping and I always wanted to be part of it. And when I moved over to Australia, it was the right time to actually have a career change and that's when I started. What's your favorite animal and why? Uh, cats? No, only choking. Of course, it's dogs. <laughs> 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 and why? Because they just love me so much and they give me so much joy. They are loyal. They are fun to hang out with. It's just the best. What is the one thing that you've always wanted to do? I always wanted to go downstairs in small land and jump into the ball pit. But of course, it's a big no-no, so I will never be able to do that. But every time I walk past there, I so want to jump into it. That makes two of us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and finally, do you have any hidden talents? Well, it's not so much hidden, but I'm really, really crafty and I'm really, well, if I say so, I'm quite good at sewing. And as I told you before, recreating things out of old fabrics and reuse them and make them unique. Where in the country do we find you? Where are you right now? At the moment, I'm in Inaloo, Western Australia. Which is a part of Perth? It's a suburb of Perth. So tell me, what's a nice girl from Switzerland doing in a place like Perth? (laughs) Well, actually, I just had a quick look in my diary this morning and exactly today, 14 years ago, I arrived here in Perth. The thing was, I came over here for a holiday in 2001 and uh, I had a six-week trip planned all over the country and the last week I bumped into a, an Australian and we met up in Broome. At the end of my holiday he then followed me soon after to Switzerland and then we got married there and after five years in Switzerland we moved over to WA. Broome has that effect on people. It's beautiful. I haven't been up there since but yeah it is definitely a magical place. But I have to say, in the meantime, we divorced and now I'm on my own with my two doggies. And uh, yeah, they are my family now. Caroline, I too have followed someone to the other side of the world and we got married and then we got divorced. Don't worry. (laughs) It works out. 
end. Yeah, yeah, that's part of life. You know, I always think back and think, oh, when I was 18 or 20, I had that picture in my head of how my life is going to go. And if somebody would have told me back then that I will be ending up in Australia and actually divorced twice, I would have told them no way, but that's life. And I have to say, I've never been happier than what I am right now. I'm so happy to hear that, Caroline. That, that is wonderful. How did you first come to work at IKEA? Well, I was always the biggest IKEA fan already back in Switzerland, but there I didn't work for IKEA. And then when I came over here, I found it really hard to get into the workforce. So in the beginning, I had a, an office job at a bank, but I was always way too creative. So I didn't really like it, even though the, the people were amazing. I still have good friends from back then. But then one of my colleagues there told me, hey, Caroline, they are hiring at IKEA. And so I jumped onto the computer put in my application and uh, yeah, they, they called me up. And so that's how I started here. The, the first two years I was in sales, but I always had my eye on a common job, which I'm doing now, which is uh, I'm a visual merchandiser. So I slowly worked my way into the role. And that's what I have been doing now for well, I'm at IKEA for over 11 years now and a bit over eight years in my role. And I absolutely love it. It's the best job I ever had. <laughs> so when you went from working in a bank, what was the biggest difference, do you think, that you noticed when you first got to IKEA? Uh, I would say it's just a whole brand that I really could stand behind and was proud to tell people that I work for IKEA. There is never a dull moment and every day is different and you just meet so many nice people every day. And I have to say also the whole employees here, it really is like a, an IKEA family. And for a lot of us that actually don't have family here in Australia, this really means a lot to us having a workplace that really you can consider your family. and rely on them. You work in visual merchandising. Can you give me an idea of what that entails? Well, there is 15 in our team, the graphics team, the interior designers and us in visual merchandising. So we set up the shop floors. We do all the coordinations and uh, a lot of inspiration around the place. And at the moment, I'm in the process of uh, planning a big rebuild in our bed textile department. Yeah, a lot of people, when you tell them you are doing the displays at IKEA, they just think, oh, you're fluffing pillows all day. But uh, there's definitely a lot more involved than fluffing pillows. <laughs> like what? Tell me about it. Well, I mean, every morning we start at 6 a.m. in the morning. And the shop opens at nine o'clock. So the first three hours, we go down into our departments and uh, we clean up after a busy previous day and just put all the display back where they should be and make sure everything is still in working order. We just, uh, you know, check all the lights if they are still on and just make it uh, nice and easy and shoppable for the customer when they come in. And it's much easier for us to work very early in the morning when the shop is actually still closed. 
And then usually after shop opening, we do a lot of planning behind the scenes. And then we look into all the new launches that are coming, the new range that's coming in. So four times a year, IKEA is changing range. A lot of seasonal stuff that's coming in. So that means that four times a year also products get discontinued. So we have to plan in if it will fit in the space that we have and how it's going to all be set up and how we want it to feel like. Especially for seasonal uh, setups, you just need to make it look different in wintertime than in summer. We really want to try to make it very market relevant. Say for in Perth, for example, we have very, very hot summers, as you would know. So we try to bring that into our displays. Have you noticed a difference when something is set up in one particular way one day and it's not moving much and then you change just a little thing and then the next day, boom, it's flying out the door? Yes, that definitely does happen. Or also what happens quite a bit is when on TV they have all these renovating shows and then all of a sudden something is really trending, then everybody comes in the next day or week and wants that one product that they saw on TV. So that's definitely something we can see the trend in. Are you the person that puts all together the pretend bedrooms? No, that's our interior designers that do the room settings. We are more doing the, the shop floor itself. I see. So I'm, I'm guessing you'd build a lot of furniture? No, we do actually have furniture builders. So whenever we actually plan our setups, we sit together with the shopkeepers and we decide which furniture we want to go with, which one is actually in stock and which one would actually suit that particular setup. And then we can actually give the furniture builder a list and they, they will do it for us. But then on the shop floor, we put it all in place and the way we want it to look like. Right. As a customer, as someone who's, you know, my experience of Ikea is just as a, as a customer, but, you know, I've been a customer since the 80s when the first one came to Brisbane, you know. Yeah. It definitely makes a difference when you're walking through and you see, oh, that's that couch from my friend's house or whatever. Yes, <laughs> you know, definitely... I hear it every day when customers walk through, then girlfriends talk to each other. They always tell each other, oh, I've got that sofa. Oh, I got that cushion cover. So you definitely hear that a lot. And I mean, I can even see it with myself sometimes after work. I quickly want to go back in to buy, I don't know, a pack of napkins or something. And I never only come out with the packet of napkins. I always have an armful of products. So it even happens to us. I'm glad it's not just me. No, definitely not. Definitely not. You said earlier you're proud to tell people that you work there. What is it about the company as a whole that gives you that sense of pride? Well, I just think, you know, IKEA is really for the many. We have products for a big budget, a small budget, for people that live with children, singers, young people. We have something for everybody. And the way the shop is set up, it's very family friendly with the restaurant and the, the play area downstairs. I'm just really proud of the way it all is run. And they really think about, you know, the whole design, when a product is designed in Sweden, they really think about how people actually live at home and what their needs are. It's a big company. I think they, what did I hear? They, they make 4 billion things a year. 
It's a lot of things. That's a that's a big company that when it moves this much, it affects a lot. Yet it seems to me like it's a company that is aware of its imprint and its footprint. Yes, definitely. And uh, we really try to be sustainable. So we have a lot of products at the moment that are made out of recycled materials. For example, we have a lot of rocks that are made out of recycled PET water bottles, even pillows that we sell. The fibers inside are made out of recycled material. And for example, also all the light globes, we from now on sell only LED light globes that use way, way less energy than the halogen ones before. So we really always try to be on the front foot and try to make a difference. And what does that mean to you personally to work for a company that moves like that? Oh, it makes me so happy because... For example, when I first moved over to Australia 14 years ago, I couldn't believe it that uh, here in Australia, everything is just dumped into a big hole in the ground, covered up with a bit of dirt, and then pretty much forgotten about it. So when I first came here, I, I was actually quite shocked because when you come here as a tourist, you don't really realize what's going on behind the scenes. So when I settled down a little bit in West Australia, I started sewing shopping bags out of recycled materials. And uh, I started doing markets because uh, I was just not happy, for example, with all these uh, plastic bags that everybody was bringing home for the shops. So I tried to (laughs) back then just, you know, make a little difference to my little community and then I started doing these markets and then just started to meet all like-minded people and yeah it snowballed a little bit from then so people whenever they have some extra material or old sheets or things like that they, they tell me oh you know you can have it if you want you can actually make something out of it which I'm quite happy to do. How does it make you feel to be trying to make a change in your community like that? Well, you know, you can't change the world, but I think if you try to make a little difference in your little small community, that's all you can do and start with it. And hopefully other people then think a little bit more about uh, being sustainable and make a difference. And as long as I, I can make a little difference to my small little part of the world, makes me very happy. You said earlier that, you know, it's a company that is for all the people. How do you feel when you see people come in, families come in who might not have a lot to spend, but are still able to find the right thing for their home and find something within their budget for their home? You know, you really have to try to make your home your little castle. And it doesn't matter on which budget you are. You can also make a small, tiny little old house, very homely and You really want your home to be a place where you like to go home after work and and settle down and snuggle in and just be happy in your four walls. Uh, I have a little uh, plaque in my house because I live in a tiny little old house. I think it was built 1977. I don't need anything bigger, but it just says something like some people look for a beautiful home and other make a home beautiful. And I just really believe in that. You can make something out of anything and put your own little stamp on it. And it doesn't need a lot. And I do actually also 
quite like to walk into a person's house and really get a vibe of what they are about and you know that the whole setup actually reflects their personality and I think you can do that on any budget. You mentioned that you like to repurpose textiles and repurpose fabrics and things like this. It's not just for for people that you make these things for, is it? No, it's not. I am the biggest dog lover you can imagine. So I have my two golden retrievers at home. They're actually probably waiting for me to come home now because we have a really stormy day today. So I hope they snuggle up inside. So that's Libby and Barney. And uh, I never thought that dogs could make me so happy. And so it snowballed into a big thing for me. It's really taken over my almost my entire life. So it started with me, you know, going to a special dog park here up in Perth Hill, which is absolutely fantastic. It's up in bushland, so you can just go there and let them off lead. And it's always the same people that go and walk their dogs there. So we have really a small little community. And a few years back, I started then organizing Doggy Christmas for all these uh, doggy parents and the dogs themselves as well. So I'm always baking heaps of treats for the humans and dogs. And uh, so it really gets bigger and bigger every year. What then I started doing here at work, I saw that, for example, the soft toys, after we take them off displays, they are not allowed to be sold just for safety reason. And they used to end up in landfill. And when I saw that for the first time, it, it nearly broke my heart. And then I was thinking what, what we, we could do with these soft toys. And so I thought, oh, you know, my doggies are lucky enough. They have pretty much every soft toy that we sell at Ikea at home for them to play with. So what I did then, I got in contact with a dog shelter here in Perth that does an amazing job. And they asked them if they would be willing to take some of these soft toys that otherwise would end up in landfill. And so a couple of times already, I went over there and uh, donated these soft toys from Ikea. And now we expanded it. Now we added also towels and sheets that come back, for example, also that are returns or that are just of display that we couldn't sell otherwise. And then I go after work and uh, donate them to the place. And they are very, very thankful. And every time I go there, they bring one of the rescue dogs out and the, the smile on their face is just amazing. So it sounds to me that rather than you know these things going to landfill or the shelter, then having to buy you know toys or trying to, you know, just doubling up, I guess, really on you know, the production of such an item that you're able to repurpose these items and, you know, hopefully allow these animals and the people that care for them to have a, a bit of an easier time. Yes, I, I really do hope so. And uh, the first time I've done it was just before Christmas. And I really do hope that these doggies had a little bit a better Christmas time than they would have had otherwise. But it is heartbreaking, you know, every time I go there, I see all these dogs that are waiting for a good home and really have to be tough because uh, as much as I would love to adopt another 50, I just can't do it. But so I just try to do again my little bit to make a little bit of a difference to their lives. It's not just their lives. It's, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the community of people up at the dog park at my old place when I lived overseas. 
I'd see the same people at the dog park all the time. And it was always a good chat in the afternoon, seeing everybody. It was great. And we really look after each other too, you know. There is, for example, one couple that runs a, a B&B and they haven't had any income whatsoever. So I uh, organized that all of the people that we always work with donate a few uh, food items. And I was able to organize three huge cardboard boxes full of food. And then I went to drop it off. So, you know, it just starts as a little ID sometimes and then it just snowballs and yeah you just meet new people like-minded people and uh, you just hit it off and you can rely on each other make a little difference to to somebody's life that's all you can do what does it mean to you to find this sense of community in a country so far away and so different to the one you grew up in Oh, it, it means a lot to me, as I said, especially because uh, I haven't got any family except my dogs over here. So it is very important to me to be part of, of a group of people and just look after each other. And I know that any of these people I could call any time of the day and, and they would be there for me as well. So I think this is just how you then also integrate into a new country. I didn't want to come to Australia and just, I'm sorry to say that, hang out with Swiss people because otherwise I could have stayed in Switzerland. And every holiday that I have, I, I take my two dogs in my little camper trailer around WA. I have done so for the last eight years. I just, I love this country and these people. They are so generous and genuine. For example, when I'm on the road with my two doggies and, and I have any trouble People just stop the car, they, they help you out or in any caravan park, they come up, they talk to you straight away. It's just, it's an awesome place and I wouldn't swap it for anything. <laughs> you mentioned earlier the repurposing of the textiles and repurposing of the towels and, and things like that, that you're able to take to the dog shelters and things like that. What are some other things that kind of align with the idea of trying to reduce a footprint and try to reduce an impact? Well, apart from actually the, the soft toys, I also saw some little doggy bandanas, uh, especially out of old fabrics. So for the next drop-off that is planned very soon, because at the moment all these soft toys are stacked under my desk at work and I can hardly sit at my desk. So a visit is due very soon. I wanted to sew some uh, little doggy bandanas. So when they actually take pictures of these rescue dogs, they can dress them up with a tiny little bandana and make them just a little bit cuter and hopefully somebody will, uh, you know, <laughs> catch their eye and, and then go and get them. Also for myself, I saw a lot of things out of uh, old bed sheets, for example. I love the 70s pattern, the more colorful and more flowers, the better. So I have skirts that I made out of all these old fabrics and I definitely stick out. <laughs> so what about in your job of an, in visual merchandising? Tell me about how you incorporate the value of trying to reduce your impact and, and reuse as much as you can in your day-to-day -day work. Well, a lot of the displays that we use, we actually try to reuse within our team. So we all have our departments that we look after. So for example, I look after rugs and home textiles and bed textiles. So whenever we change our displays around, before we actually 
take the displays down, we ask our colleagues if, if they would like to reuse them before they have to build another furniture, for example. So there is a lot of that going on within the team. But then also, for example, last week we cleaned out our area at the back where we get all creative. And instead of throwing out heaps and heaps of tiles that we used in some of our displays, we just put them on a trolley and made sure that we could give them away to co-workers. So we had trolleys full of tiles downstairs at the exit. And if people you know, wanted to take them home to do a little Renault job somewhere, they could do that. So we really try to repurpose or gift as many products that we possibly can to just reduce the landfill. It seems that the, the landfill is a bit of a running theme for you, Caroline. Yes, I, I cannot get used to that idea. And every time I see it in the news, I just, I can't believe it. But, you know, that's just how it goes. And I suppose if you grow up like that, you don't know any better. But I don't know, you would probably know, having lived in, in Europe, you have recycle bins for everything. And you actually bring, for example, in Switzerland, you bring your bottles back to a collection point and you sort it by color so it's easier then for the glass to be recycled and all the drink bottles have a little deposit on it so you will bring it back to the shop so there is just not as much waste. I mean of course there's still waste but nowhere near as bad as what it is here and I also can't get my head around that here, everything recyclable lands in a yellow bin and somebody has to actually sort through that whole yellow bin. I mean, that would just be horrendous to go through that. I think if we could do a lot of the sorting at home and bring it back to, you know, some stations where, where you then put all the glass together or paper or whatever it is, it would make it so much easier. But I suppose it takes a long time for, for people to change. And I think it's already heaps, heaps better than 14 years ago when I first arrived here. And so, you know, it's always little baby steps at the time and eventually we get there. You're absolutely right. I think the best I remember was when I first went to Japan in 2005 and my brother and I, we counted seven different bins in the house we stayed in. Seven. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's, but that was the separation required in your in your house. That's not even before you put it on the street. My brother lived in Germany for a while, and he was telling me that there are people that go around on bin night, and if you've got the wrong thing in your recycling bin, they'll give you a ticket. You know, they are serious over there. <laughs> well, what happened in Switzerland? You actually had to pay for your rubbish bins, so they don't really have these uh, bins as such. You just put the black rubbish bin out on the verge with a sticker on it. And so you had to pay for your small or big black rubbish bin yeah. to be taken away. So you, because it was quite expensive, you made sure that whatever was recyclable, you did actually recycle and not just chuck it into the bin. So I think, unfortunately, that's the way to go because, you know, if it comes down to people having to pay extra for the rubbish, they will make a, a little bit of an effort. And I think this also ties back into, you know, with, with a company as big as IKEA that does manufacture just so much and is aware of their impact upon landfill around the world, they're figuring out that 
the more cost-effective way to do things is also a less impactful way to do things, aren't they? Oh, most definitely. And around the store, we have now so many products that are made out of recycled materials. I mean, I just know mostly out of my department at the moment, but if you walk through the store, there is little tags telling you what it is made out of. And it's just really amazing to see. What do you think it does when a company this big makes that kind of move? What do you think it does for competitors and other people who are also in the homeware business? Well, I definitely think we set an example and you could only hope that the others see this as a, a, a positive step and then, you know, have to almost then follow in our footstep. And uh, somebody always has to be the pioneer in, in the projects like that. And uh, I'm very happy to work for a company that I think is quite a pioneer in sustainability. Throughout this series of podcasts, I've I've been really enjoying exploring the the values that underpin the work of IKEA. Are there any of those values that really resonate with you personally, that, that resonate with your values? For me, it really is about togetherness. And you can feel that every day when you come to work. We really all are one team and, you know, all for one and one for all. And I can really feel that here at IKEA Perth. And I'm very proud of being part of this team. I have ever so much enjoyed speaking with you, Caroline. This is just a delight. Though we are separated by many thousands of kilometers, I I really want you to go and throw a ball at your golden retrievers for me because I can only imagine how <laughs> magnificent they look charging across the dog park, chasing after a tennis ball. It must be the greatest thing ever. Yes, they make me so happy. You know, sometimes, I mean, that's like just like with everybody, sometimes you have a bad day and as soon as I come home, it takes me half of a second and everything is gone and you're just happy and they are happy to see you. They think you're the best thing ever. So now that it really works for me. Caroline, it's been an absolute dream to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you very much. It's good talking to you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind the Brand, the co-workers of IKEA. Make sure you subscribe to hear the next episode. Thanks for listening.